Well, good morning. Thank you guys for being here this morning, being here in the house of God. Uh, we're going to look at God's word this morning, but the little kids at this time can be dismissed. If you're a little kid and you have kids class, no, no kids class today? Okay, sorry, no kids class. They're in with us today. So if you hear any weird noises, it's because of the kids, all right? So we have uh, today, uh, we're going to have a great day today as we look at God's word. We've already worshiped the Lord this morning, and I hope your heart was prepared for that. Um, and I just hope that you're anticipating a good day. Let's look at 2 Corinthians. If you would take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we'll be at this morning in God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. As you're turning there, I just want to say thank you for being in your place. Pastors away on vacation. Please pray for them as they make their way back here tomorrow. And uh, hopefully they've gotten some rest and relaxation. They're ready to go as when they return. And so thank you for being faithful here this morning. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Let's look at verse number 7. Verse number 7. This is a familiar passage of scripture that we're going to look at, some verses we're going to look at that I think will be a help this morning to you. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 7. The Bible says this, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Say that phrase with me. One, two, three. Ready? A thorn in the flesh. In the flesh, the messenger of Satan abuffed me, lest I should be exalted above measure. The person speaking here is Paul. As we continue these next verses, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Verse number nine. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. And now this is, if you have a Bible that has red lettering, you'll know that this is Jesus speaking. And Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Say that last phrase with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's ask God to bless one more time. Father, we thank you once again, and we come before you. We need you. God, I need you. And God, I just pray that you would work through me. Lord, help me to say what you want me to say. Help me to rest in your strength and not mine. Help me to understand that I don't have it, but God, you got me. And I just pray that you would bless our people this morning. I pray that you'd help us to focus, to look at your word, to, to believe your word is true and right. And Lord, as we look at this passage, help us to, to get closer to you this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage of scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we find the Apostle Paul here. And today what we're going to talk about this morning, what we're going to look at God's word and the concept that we're going to pull out from this passage of scripture is entitled this, if you're taking notes this morning, is entitled Embracing Weakness. Embracing Weakness. If we look at that passage of scripture again, we'll find certain words popping out of the passage and we find this word, weakness. It's the concept in which we're going to look at this morning. Pastor and author Kyle Eidelman said this, God chooses weakness as the best setting to display his strength. Weakness creates a space that God fills with his strength. Okay? Look at that, look at that quote one more time. God chooses weakness as the best setting to display his strength. Weakness creates the space that God fills with his strength. This morning, we're going to look at this passage of scripture, and it's my desire, and it's my hope, and it's my prayer as I prayed these, this week 
that you and I would be honest in our hearts before God and that we would embrace the gift of grace we call weakness. Weakness. Now you may ask, what do you mean by weakness? And sometimes when you look at the Bible, the Bible has same words but different definitions to these kinds of words. And sometimes weakness might be defined a sin that you struggle with or something that you always constantly uh, trip over. Uh, and like in um, Romans chapter 12 where it says we have such a great cloud of witnesses and we're told to lay aside the weights and the sin which just so easily beset us, that could be pictured as weakness as well. But today... We're not going to look at it like that. Today, what this passage of Scripture is talking about when it talks about weakness is it's talking about you. It's talking about you. And oftentimes we associate weakness with sins we struggle with, but that's what not Paul is associating with weakness with. The kind of weakness that Paul is referring to is has to do with some situ- situational. This kind of weakness brings us to a place where we have to lean in and wholly surrender. It's coming to the end of ourselves It's raising the white flag. It's understanding that there are circumstances that are beyond our control and wounds that may be too hard for us to bear and experiences that we want to escape. You and I, in this passage of Scripture, just like the Apostle Paul, is going to have to learn how to embrace weakness because weakness is good. It's it's a good gift of grace that God gives to his people. It's weakness. Now, the opposite of weakness is strength. It's being strong. And you understand that God works in different ways in the Bible. They're called paradoxes, right? For us, the natural mind thinks, well, if you're strong, you're good to go. But God says, no, if you're weak, you're good to go. If you're strong, that's not good. And so we're going to look here at what that means, embracing weakness. See, in our world, strength is praised. It's valued. The idea of weakness is something that we celebrate. And it isn't something that is, weakness isn't something that we celebrate, okay? We celebrate strength. It's counterintuitive and it's countercultural. And here's how our world sets it up. When the idea of weakness comes about, the world sets it up like this. If, if you're drowning, tread faster, okay? If you're hurting, cover it up. If you're exhausted, suck it up. If you're weak, at least pretend that you're strong, okay? You all work in the world. And the thing is, sometimes you cannot show your weakness. You cannot show a kink in your armor. The world's constantly looking for you you to be strong. The world's constantly looking for you to be the best that you can be. And we find here the Apostle Paul writing his second letter to the Corinthian church. And at this time, he has to defend his apostleship. The Corinthian church at this time, here's the thing, the Corinthian city was a city that was thriving and it was a lavish city. It was known for its impressive skylines, its lifestyles, accomplishments, and success. It was heavily known for its self-reliance, self-indulgence, and pretty much self-everything. Okay? The Corinthian city was a city that had it all. Okay? It had money, had fame, had all those things. And, and the people that lived in it were people of high affluence. These people were people that had money. They had riches. They had all these things. The, Corinth, the city of Corinth was very much like the tech, the, the, our tech area here, okay? They had a lot. They had everything they needed. And they lived from a point of strength, okay? Some people find their strength in money, right? If I have a lot of money, then I'm good to go. Some people find their strength uh, in other things as well, their abilities and talents. and, And the thing is, when you try to find strength in those things, it goes contrary to where God is wanting to work. 
So when Paul wrote this letter to the, to the church at Corinth, it was kind of foreign to them. That when Paul mentions weakness, it doesn't really compute with a city that understands strength, that believes that they're strong. And so you and I, when we look at this passage of Scripture, we have to come to the reality that God wants to work in us, through us, and for us. But we have to understand he wants us to be weak. He wants us to embrace weakness. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture this morning, let's look at a couple things here in embracing weakness. Why do we embrace weakness? Why should we embrace weakness? Let's look at number one. Embracing weakness shows that Embracing weakness shows to us that God values weakness. God values weakness. Weakness is an asset to God. As I quoted before, it is where God displays his strength. Isaiah 40, 29, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Okay? So we look here at verse number 7 in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Paul saying, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan above me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So the Apostle Paul, hey, the Apostle Paul was no doubt the second greatest Christian to walk the face of the earth. Now, here's a quiz, a little quiz here. Who's the first? Anybody? Jesus. Okay, Jesus the first, right? Uh, if you know anything about answering Bible questions, just use Jesus. He's always the right answer, okay? So Jesus, right? So, we would see the Apostle Paul and say, man, this guy, this guy is the second greatest. No doubt about it, two-thirds of your New Testament is written by the Apostle Paul. So this guy, he was it. He was the man. He was the guy. And yet God gives to him a thorn in the flesh. God brings the Apostle Paul to a place of weakness. Okay? This guy was it. If you wanted to be a model Christian, you would look at the Apostle Paul and say, that's the guy I want to be. So the Apostle Paul was very, very much a strong Christian, but God had to bring Paul to a place of weakness. And when we think about this weakness, weakness is something that we buck against. We don't want to be the one with the kink in the armor for all to see. We want the people around us, the relationships we are involved in and the influence that we have to be untainted by weakness. But most of all, we don't want ourselves to know that we are weak. Okay? I just started doing, um, I just started going to the classes uh, probably a couple weeks ago. Uh, I paid $60 a month. There's this place called Obstacourse. Okay? Uh, it's a place of like a workout center where you do these different types of station. And it's called circuit training. Okay? Circuit training. Oftentimes I say that too fast, it sounds like circus training, okay? But it's circuit training. And while I'm, while I'm doing this circuit training, it's crazy, it's unbelievable. I'm doing this circuit training, guess what I found out about myself? I'm weak, okay? I'm very weak. And so yesterday I was there, I was doing it 9 o'clock in the morning, brother uh, Eddie was there and Evan was there, and, um, and we're there working out and after the first station, I literally was like, I can't do this, man. Like, mentally, I was like, I'm done. I was about to throw up on the lady in front of me. It was really bad. And um, it was just terrible, okay? And at that moment, I knew. I was like, I'm so weak. But at the end of it, once we're done, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I got through that. Um, and there's a lot of people in there, and it was great. But I had to come to grips that, wow, I was really, really weak. And I didn't like that. 
I didn't like that. I wanted to come into the gym and not be the guy that was weak. There's several people in there. There were some older people in there that made me feel so bad. I was like, man, you're like prehistoric and you're just killing it, okay? And I was like, what's the secret, you know? It's like, I've been doing it all my life. And I'm like, wow. And, you know, these, I, was, I couldn't believe it. And so, but what I had to come to grips with is that I was very, very weak. And I think sometimes where you and I have to come to understand, and I think the thing is we run away from it because the, the reality is this, we don't want to be weak. That's why we go to the gym, okay? Physically, nobody wants to be weak. That's why we, we, we take courses and we, when we learn and all these different things, it's because we don't want to be weak. We don't want to be the weak link. Here's this illustration by a pastor when he talks about knowing when he's weak. He says this, in high school, I was lifting weights at the gym with a good friend. He had just benched 200 pounds. I had yet to approach that weight, but I was closing in. And if, I could, and if he could do it, so could I. Do you guys ever have that mentality? If you can do it, then I can do it? Yeah. So this is what this guy was saying. And he says this, So I waited until the gym was clear. I put the weight on the bar, and I did what I knew was the worst thing I could possibly do. The thing they teach you not to do is when you lift weights and when you bench, bench press your maximum, you don't do it by yourself. You always have a spotter with you. And so this pastor is talking about when he was in high school wanting to lift weights. He gets to this point where he waited till the gym was clear. He's going to bench press his maximum. He didn't have anybody with him. He puts the weights on. He gets underneath the bar. And guess what happens? He doesn't lift it. What's funny, I mean, what's crazy is this. He then retells how that he sat there in the gym, laid on his back, got up, took the weights back off, put the weights away, and walked out. He said, I sat there, and I didn't try because I didn't want to know that I was weak. He didn't want to know that he was weak. And a lot of us are like that. We're afraid of weakness. We're afraid of trying because it might reveal that we're not enough. It might reveal that we're just not good enough. It might reveal that you're not always there. You haven't arrived. And so we run away from weakness. And what the Apostle Paul had to do here in this passage of Scripture, God just brings the Apostle Paul to a place where he says, Paul, you're great. We know you're great. But let me help you out. Let me help you right now, Paul. Because here's the crazy thing, Paul. The devil is out to get you. And guess what he's going to try to do to you? He's going to try to get you to be prideful. Okay, as I said before, the apostle Paul is the man. This guy actually went to the third heaven. All right? Nobody knows what that's like except for the apostle Paul. He went to the third heaven. And the thing about that is this, is he had all the opportunity to come in and just say, I've got to step above every one of you guys. I am better than every one of you guys. The Apostle Paul could have done his ministry in pride. He could have rooted himself in pride and been like, I know everything, you don't know everything. And yet God wanted to use the Apostle Paul. And so what God does is he sends a thorn in the flesh so that the Apostle Paul would always remember that it's not about him, but that it's about God. You and I, have no chance of living the Christian life apart from God. And yet some of us are actually trying to do that, and yet you're afraid because the thing is you come to realize that you're not enough. 
And the Apostle Paul here has to have this thorn in the flesh because it's actually graceful preventative maintenance is what God is doing. So he puts this thorn in the flesh to where Paul has to always limp wherever he goes. Why? As a testament to show that he's not enough. But guess who is enough? God's enough. And what, and what, and what God is doing when he gives to you weakness, when he brings you to a place to the end of yourself, he's just trying to get you to look up and understand that he's enough, that you're not. And this is what Paul is experiencing. See, our weaknesses does not keep us from the Lord. Our delusions of strength do. Our delusions of strength, they do. 1 Corinthians 18.27, this is how God works. He says this in verse 27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to not things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The Apostle Paul comes to this place of weakness, And God values weakness. If there's something that you take away this morning, take away the fact that you're just not strong enough. And that's okay. You're just not strong enough to fight sin, to keep your relationships, to do great at work, all these different things. You're just not strong enough. And that's okay because Jesus Christ is strong enough. He is grace and he is Sufficient. Let's look at point number two. Number one, we talked about God values weakness. Number two, we embrace weakness because his grace is sufficient and we need his strength. Look at verse number eight. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God loved Paul so much that he denied his first prayer. God loved Paul so much that he denied his second prayer. And God loved Paul so much that he denied his third prayer. And God was doing that because God was teaching Paul how to not, for him not to lean on his own understanding, but in all his ways, lean on the Lord. That's what Paul, that's what God was doing to Paul. And for you and I, We've got to understand and be careful that when God places us in situations or gives to us weakness, that we do not try to immediately pray that away, but we believe what God is doing is something that, that we know is with his sovereignty that, he, that we know that he's doing. Sovereignty is something we will never understand as his children, but the thing is, he never makes mistakes. From the outside looking in, we think Paul is getting the wrong end of the stick on this one. And how could God allow this thorn in the flesh. And so, when we think about this, how his grace is sufficient, and we need his strength, God brings us to the end of ourselves so that we can understand that we're not strong enough. We're not strong enough. I'll tell you right now, as I was getting ready for this message, I'm just not strong enough to do this. Preaching. 
ministry. And in the ministry, there's a lot of comparison that goes on. In the ministry, there's a lot of needing to be like everybody else that goes on. And I was looking at this. God just reminds me again, you're just not strong enough. And that's okay. Because I'm strong enough. Because my grace is sufficient. And as I was praying today, I was praying that whenever I get behind and I, whenever I preach, it's not something where I feel like I got it or I know that I got it. Because there's times in my life where I can feel like, hey, I got this. This is easy. But the reality is this. It's, I, don't, I don't come to the pulpit knowing that I got it, but I come to the pulpit knowing he's got me. And I think that's where we all have to come to a place of weakness. That no matter what we do, God's trying to drain your strength and he's trying to infuse his own. And the Apostle Paul here is coming to grips that his grace is sufficient, that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Psalm 73, 26 says this, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 147, 5 says, Great is the Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God brings us to a place of weakness so that we'd understand that he values weakness, that his grace is sufficient, and that we need his strength. And then finally here this morning, when we understand and embrace weakness, it produces in us a countercultural attitude toward life. Look at verse number 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is what Paul is referring to when he talks about the power of Christ. And when you and I have the power of Christ, we can live in a world that's hostile to our faith. Oftentimes we run away from weakness and we run away from these things. But the Apostle Paul says this, I take pleasure in these things. Not because I'm strong enough. It's because I'm weak. And he's strong enough for me. When we talk about reproaches, it's when people think of clever ways to making your faith or lifestyle or your words look weird or inconsistent. When we talk about necessities, it's talking about hardships or circumstances forced upon you reversals of fortune against your will. This could refer to any situation where you feel trapped. You didn't plan for it or think about it, but this is what happened. Persecutions, this would refer to wounds or abuses or painful circumstances or acts of prejudice or exploitation from people because of your faith or because of your Christian commitments to morality. You see, God's grace and strength is so sufficient and perfect that when we embrace the weakness that God gives to us, it allows us to live in this world. Counterculturally, our attitude toward life, toward the ups and downs, and the unexpected twists, doesn't just happen overnight. And in some cases, there will be times where you will lose sight of it. But the gospel has set us free to grow in this every day and in every situation for the purpose of his glory and for the good of his children. This quote, we're taught to believe 
I can do anything I set my mind to. The gospel says, I can do all things through Christ. We're taught, never let them see you cry. The gospel says, know that your weakness is, Christ shines. Next quote here. As I've thought and studied over the years, I've changed my mind in some ways. Once I would have made the case that God works despite our weaknesses, or God works around our weaknesses, but that's not a strong enough statement. That's not the real point. God doesn't demonstrate his strength even, through, even though we are weak. He demonstrates it precisely through the weakness. As we think about this concept of weakness, as we look at what the Apostle Paul has done, as God has given to him, I want you to go away this morning understanding this. You're not strong enough. God is. Embrace the weakness because it's at that point that he can use his power in your life. You guys want God's power? Be weak. Understand that you're just not strong enough. And here's the thing, that's okay. Because God doesn't call you to bear the weight of the world. In our weakness, his strength is displayed. His grace is sufficient. And his strength is made perfect in weakness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and pray that you'd bless. Father, thank you so much for the time we had in your word. And God, I just pray that, Lord, as we understand this concept, I pray that each and every day we'd fall on our knees and seek you, be humble, and say, God, I'm not strong enough, but you are. Your word is. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work in our lives, to understand that we need you. That, God, you're going to put things in our life, situations in our life, that where we're weak, you are strong. And God, I just pray that you would do that. I pray that you do that work in our hearts, that, Lord, tomorrow morning as we wake up, we'd lean into you, that we'd wake up, we would trust you, that you would work. Brother Mike, if you would play.